Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online platform that makes indoor training fun. We have got to 2023 team season previews just like last year we even had a kind listener Stuart send in our record for our predictions on over-unders from last year he actually I don't know if he knew our schedule but he emailed that this morning so um yeah great timing from him we probably won't be doing over-unders anymore because um I set the over I set the over under and then I have to pick it. It doesn't make sense. Uh, and they all do different races. But it'll be interesting to see those picks. We're kicking off with Ineos, the one of the big hitters, often a popular one, and a team that's still undergoing a lot of flux. The what we said last year when we did this podcast episode was they are changing. They are moving towards a younger team, a rebuild. They had, I would say, year one of that rebuild this year. They had, unfortunately for them, the Egg and Bernal injury. So a team in flux. How would you assess their 2022 season, Benji, for the first time since 2014 when Froome crashed out of the tour, I think. They didn't win a Grand Tour, so what, seven years. Does that mean their season was a failure? Ooh, I think failure is a big word. I think failure is the word that you say when it's a completely terrible season, all season goals are completely ruined and so forth. And I, I do consider some aspects of the Ineos season good results. We take a look at what they've achieved this year, for example, and it honestly starts falling apart at the start in January because Egon Bernal has a major injury, hits that bus, and that spoils their plans for the Tour de France, where Egon Bernal was supposed to be their leader on paper. But after that, they pick it back up with the couple stages. In the couple races, they have a solid form, a solid team surrounding the likes of Pitcock, Van Baale, and honestly, uh, Tactics-wise, just good when it comes to team-based strategies because they roll attacks on other riders. They try and get advantages that way by sending riders up the, up the road. And it works out because in Roubaix, Van Barle wins. They podium RVV with Van Barle as well, who was sent up the road a bit earlier together with, I think, Tratnik of Bahrain. Also team-based strategies, rolling attacks. Kwiatkowski and Pitcock doing team-based stuff in Amstel Gold Race, also delivering another classic hill classics there. So... That's also a success, in my opinion, getting those results in gobble races. That's not what you expect from an Ineos before the season starts. That's what you hope from a Pitcock, what he can deliver in the future, perhaps, but not yet at the moment. Then, then we come towards the Grand Tours, and that's where it's not the level that it was in previous years. They don't win a Grand Tour, like you mentioned. They got second in the Giro. I think that's the failure of a Grand Tour we have here, because getting second in the Giro is no disaster, but Getting second in the Giro with Carapaz, who was clear favorite before the race started, is a serious disappointment. Hindley takes that for Bora, and Carapaz and Ineos do not take the victory there. So that, that's on paper a failed objective. 
the Tour de France, I'd say that's a success. Like, podiuming the Tour yeah. is exactly what you're looking for, right? Oh, I mean, literally no one expected Thomas to beat Pogacar and Vingegaard. So, yeah, the realistic objective was third. Uh, we remember after Swiss, we were like, all right, we did discussed how can Thomas get third. He's got to just be better than the Gadoos and the Vlasovs. And one of Rog, Pog, or Jonas has to crash out. That happened. Third job done. Yep. Pidcock stage win. Pidcock in the white jersey. No, Pog was always in the actual. Yeah, like he physically wore the white jersey, but I'm not sure <laughs> he actually owned it. Um, he showed GC flashes for you know best part of a couple of weeks as well. Um, so yeah, two and then Vuelta, C Rod. I'll be the unbiased person. I think to, uh, Vuelta <laughs> was good. You know, he showed what you want to see. He crashed and then. Um, of course, I use so he's never beating him for third. But does he come top five? Yes, I think he ended up out of the top yeah. five. Without that crash, he comes top five. So, yeah, I kind of agree that the Giro was met. And you also have, you know, Rodriguez with the Basque stage win, Sheffield with a stage win, and Duas do Brabantse, Brabantse, yeah, um, bits and pieces in the classics, Peacock. Pidcock's classics weren't better uh, compared to 21. He yep. came fifth in Brabant. Uh, I would say 21 was better um, compared to this year. And he just doesn't have that many race days. 46 this year in 21, 37 race days. And that's what's really hard for me to assess about this team because this is obviously a road cycling podcast we have so many riders on big money who are paid the big money not just for road cycling performance. Uh, we have for starters, Tarling. I'm sure they have a, a new signing, a track interest, Hater Track, Viviani, Ghana's friend, Paris Olympics, Ghana Track, Our Record, um, Peacock, Cyclocross, Mountain Bike Olympics. So, like, on their face, a lot of guys are overpaid and didn't perform on the road for what they're paid by Ineos. But I guess there's the commercial aspect like, well, is Ganner overpaid if Pinarello give the team a lot more money or are happy to give, you know, a condition of their contract is the big Italian track guy getting a lot of money and winning track world championships. That's a commercial reality. Uh, I still would say that there's guys underperforming on the road contracts aside who I think the team will need to see step up next year. And I think the, the name you brought up initially, Pitcock, was one of the names that isn't necessarily living up to the potential expectations set on him at the start of the year. As in, he won Alpe d'Huez stage. That's a significant performance. Very strong on that stage. Strong throughout the Tour de France as well. But in the classics, you expect him to take a classics home at this point in his career. And that's based off the stuff he's done before, both in CX and the buildup he had on the road as well, that people have expectations from a ride like that. And then I compare that to a, a Binyam on Antomarché, who ends up winning Gent Babelheim, does really well at E3, and ends up taking a Giro stage home as well. Like, is that comparison valid, where we can say that Binyam has had a better season no not really because the tour de france stage is worth more than a giro it's it's difficult but pitcock should be able to win a classic and a tour de france or a grand tour stage by now no 
yeah, a pig and Peacock's on like who knows how much money yeah. long term deal, like what signed through twenty seven. And of course, as I just said, it's not all about the road performance. That being said, he himself, like you know, Peacock knows that he can podium a world tour GC race. Like he he is capable of that. Maybe not the best ones with a Pog and Jonas or a Roglic boat there, but a Tour de Suisse, a Catalonia. I fully believe he can podium one of them. He he's capable of it, especially next year. Um, can he? And dot pro races too, and a sort of yeah, his sprint. Like I was expecting him. And listen, I'm not. He showed flashes in the tour. That's almost the most important thing. And we're speaking about Peacock a lot because, to be honest, I think he's the key to the future of this team. British, mm-hmm. huge, you know, Olympic gold medalist. He's queuing up for, you know, what's the pathway to become Sir Tom Peacock in 10, 15 years? You know, that's the, tra- that's the trajectory this guy's on. And to keep Ratcliffe interested and with Thomas really good, which we'll discuss in a minute, but not like Thomas is never going to go into the tour as realistically going to beat the Slovenians or Jonas or Ravenpole. Pidcock I see is really holding the future of this team. That's why I spoke about him a lot. But before we get into uh, some of the transfers and maybe some objective setting for 23, speaking of objectives, Benji (laughs) went back bit of a masochist went back to the Zwift offices apparently to do a second FTP test, not a ramp test this time, but a a 20 minute one. What'd that protocol actually involve? Well, basically I did a ramp FTP test last time. I spoke about it on the podcast before where we basically have a certain amount of watts that you start at and every minute the watts go up by 20 and it got to hold on as much as possible. And basically the last three to five minutes of that test are the hardest part. But it's supposedly not the most accurate one, and that's why a 20-minute FTP test is also said to be a good one to try out. But the issue with the 20-minute FTP test is that you need to be able to base it, and I didn't have stats to base it on, so that's why I did a ramp test first. Because of the ramp test, I knew what what's on paper I could do for X amount of time, so I made a pacing plan. I should try and start off at this amount of watts, and then I should see after five minutes of those 20 minutes, okay, can I stick that for the rest of the 15 minutes? If not, then I'll drop that a tiny bit. And that's exactly how I went into it. Because of that ramp test, I knew how fast I could try and go in the FTP tests. But I died. Like, FTP tests are pure torture. But there's an aspect to it that is so fun because I want to have like a baseline idea of what level I have right now so that in six months or 12 months after that I do training and I ride my bike even more, then I can do that test again and I can see how much I've improved over time. And that's what I'm so looking forward to, to see that progress. And um, I wonder, would the, the holos work in a 20-minute in a FTP test? Well, I have to, you have to do another one next week then. <laughs> Go test it. <laughs> I mean, if you uh, – it depends if you do it on the same course. I'll have, you'll have to check it out. That's for Benji to do, not me. <laughs> but, yeah, if you want to check out Zwift where you can do things like – it's not just riding around on – worlds at whatever what did you want you can do things like ramp tests or trainings set training protocols or plans or racing you can check out zwift at zwift.com especially now that winter is truly here and get a free seven day trial so on to transfers for ineos i would say they the budget has not gone up now they used to publish <laughs> their accounts 
uh, I understand from the man known as Boris that they no longer do that publicly, which is a bit annoying, but I I would not believe that their budget has gone up uh, in real terms because especially when you see who's gone. Port's got to be seven figures. Yates got to be heavy seven figures. Carapaz, easy heavy seven figures. Van Bala, ooh, I don't know. Borderline and Amador Dunbar were for Vera. I don't know if they're out, but they went on it loads, but still something. And they've brought in Leonard and Tarling and Hayter. They're all on Neo Pro deals, even if they've paid them 200, 250, which is a, yeah. a lot for Neo Pro. It ain't Carapaz money. And then Aronsman and Swift, I'd be very surprised. I mean, Aronsman, I'd be surprised if he was over a mil either. So I reckon they could have been saving five mil plus on the transfers, Benji. Uh, but do you think they've got? Do you think they've got worse? I, they kind of have. Like when you do think about Yates, Carapaz, Van Bala, the wins they brought in. Carapaz won. A lot of races this year and podium to Grand Tour and he's a consistent winner or GC third or, or better. And Van Baal podium two monuments with a win. Like, I don't think they've got better, but is there hope that their existing roster takes another step up? That's exactly the, the part that I want to mention on because on paper, when you look at the level that they had in 2022, They've gotten worse. A rider that podiumed the Grand Tour for them is gone. A rider that podiumed and won one of the monuments, that's gone. But if you look at the youngsters that they have, Magna Sheffield, Ben Turner, Luke Plapp, Carlos Rodriguez, those riders can evolve in 2023, can become better in 2023, and can take up roles that might have been taken by those riders in the past. For example, if a Magna Sheffield and a Ben Turner level up a tiny bit, they might be able to replace that role of Dylan Von Barle in those couple races. Ben Turner was in the group with Von Barle, if I recall, the second that Von Barle made he the was, move yeah. in Roubaix. So if Turner can make that tiny step forward, he can be the rider that rolls the attack there. Maybe Magna Sheffield can be the rider that is the second rider in that group next year. And Every small evolving that happens could lead to more results in this team. And the fact that they've got so many youngsters sign up from the previous years can be the savior for this question here. Do I think that these departures, Richie Port, Karapaz, and Adam Yates, will have major influence on Ineos? Not necessarily. As in, I didn't expect Karapaz to win the Tour de France for them. I expected him to be a rider to fight for a podium in the Tour de France and fight for the victory in other Grand Tours, but they have Thomas to do that in the Tour de France, and Carlos Rodriguez can fight podiums in Grand Tours in future years, perhaps, if he stays in Ineos, of course. But there's that aspect to it, and I think the youngsters will probably fill up quite a bit of gaps. What do you think? Yeah, that's what they're hoping for, and I guess the question is, do you want to pay Carapaz, let's put a number on it, let's say two and a half, three mil, to not expect to win the tour, to maybe, you know, win a Vuelta, very maybe, like, <laughs> or, and, and then there's opportunities, not, you know, when you have Rodriguez, who you want to give opportunities at leadership for. Like, Rodriguez should lead their Vuelta team next year. And Adam Yates, they gave a chance. He's not cheap. He's gone to UAE. He does win races. He was quite strong in the classics both years in the in the Hilly and, and Lombardia. And he can win a one week GC race. But For sure. 
is he gonna is he worth whatever you know they're paying if budget's getting a bit more constrained probably not so that makes sense uh and we the elephant in the room is bernal's injury too like maybe they have an expectation that he'll come back he's on a long-term deal and he'll be you know back to maybe 95 percent of his best which i question like pre-crash bernal still was not pog rog Jonas level um so i do question where that will where that will go um but in terms of yeah the trans uh, as a reminder now <laughs> the transfers or the writer sorry out of contract this year it's a big pool of guys out of contract not just it's not just amadors or worth Grant thomas ben swift castro viejo martinez Gegenhart, Sivakov, Rowe, Freyler, Deplus, Puccio, Rodriguez, Turner, Hajduk. Apart from Pidcock and Aronsman, that's all their GC riders and Bernal, who's question marks. Like, this is a big year for Gegenhart and Sivakov, Benji, and then Thomas is – I still think Thomas is their best GC rider. At the end of the day – 36-year-old Grant Thomas is still their best GC rider, is still the most likely rider to win a Grand Tour in 2023. Who do you, if you're them reading out that list, who do you give the opportunities to to prove themselves? Who do you try and keep happy? And who do you, you can take it or leave it, they should just fill a team role next year? I think one of the riders you want to try and keep is Carlos Rodriguez, but we've heard rumors of Movistar trying to po- to poach him from the hands of of uh, Ineos, and supposedly some websites say that he's already signed with Movistar after after 2023. But that's a rumor for now. We don't know if that's certain, so let's not go off of that yet. That's why you'd want to try and keep Ben Turner is a must keep in my opinion. Luke Rowe, Geraint Thomas, those are the riders where it's getting late in their career, you know. Are they still going to be able to sustain that? I agree that Thomas is that rider that can still win a Grand Tour for them in 2023 or the most likely to do so at least. Gagan Hart depends on whether he can live up to the 2020 expectations or whether you can pay him appropriately for not being those 2020 expectations. Because to be honest, he wasn't bad at the Vuelta in 2022. He just crashed on the descent towards Prades and was dropped out of GC as a consequence. And Sivakov was doing great in that race as well. After the time trial, great time trial in the Vuelta, but then eventually led to uh, COVID. I'm pretty sure it was COVID. And those two riders, like, those are riders that probably aren't the most expensive GC riders in the world either. Ineos, they're probably paying them quite a bit, but I am not expecting them to be on the same level when it comes to money as, oh God, let me think about the name. Bernal, for example, his contract. Uh, that's what I'm but thinking. Gagenhart won a Grand Tour. Yeah. Like he's got to be on more than Sivakov. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. Martinez? And is he on more than Martinez? That's the thing, though. Danny Martinez, I think, is a keep. Now, yeah. is Danny Martinez going to win the Tour next year? Probably not. Does, Dan- does Danny Martinez have very clear flaws? Yes. Consistency, uh, not great in descending. Danny Martinez in Liège was their strongest rider. He was incredibly strong in Liège in spring. He got a flat in Paris Stage 8. If he doesn't get that flat, 
I think he wins GC and Roglic loses GC on the final day. He was fifth in the Giro as a domestique for Bernal. I'm getting it. It's going to be a segment talking about Thomas and the Giro, but I think he's got to get a chance as full co-leader with Thomas in the Giro. If he fails, you take that into account. Um, he's not 20 anymore, but I, I would be really surprised. Like, no way to me he should be a domestique for Tim and Aaronsman in the Giro next year. Like, Martinez's time trial is perfectly capable. He's a better climber. Good sprint he showed this year. Now, how much will he cost as a Dauphiné winner, as a Bass? He won the Bass Country this year. I know. I still think he's got something there. Um, and I think yep. it's more the guys like Deplus, probably like a Sivakov or Gagan Hart, who it's like, are you? Are they really going to break through? And if the money's equal, I'd be leaning to Martinez. Deplus, you know, he's had injuries, etc. But anyway... Let's talk about the classics team first, Benji. Who do you see as the sort of the backbone of that team? We're not going to pick specific races, but what's the classic squad looking like? With Dylan Van Barla leaving, you're looking at the likes of a, a Ben Turner, who will try to step up, a Pitcock, who, if he focuses on the classics, will be one of those key riders in those races. Luke Rowe is still there, I dare to say, at his age of... 35? Pure guess at this point. That's the guess of uh, what age Luke Rowe is on, based on my mind. Connor Swift, new signing. That's a, a good one for these cobble races, I'd say. Good addition to the team. We'll see how far he can reach at Ineos in those races. I think he's good when it comes to the team aspect in those races. So that should actually work really well. Hopefully Magnus Sheffield can make a step forward, also be part of that plan. Then you've got the likes of Narvaez, who I'd categorize more for the Hilly cobble races, not necessarily for a Roubaix, even though on GP Denain he was relatively strong in the attack together with Primoz Roglic of all people. Kim Hajduk exists, who rode the cobbles last year, but nah, he's gone. didn't really deliver. Yeah, but find the eighth rider. Kwiatkowski and Gena are there, perhaps, but then the eighth rider is the only mm. possible option is Hajduk. Grant Thomas, can you do but the early classics? It's better than Hardook. Ethan Hayter. I don't see we him. We, we barely it. mentioned Ethan Hayter. Oh yeah, forgot about Ethan Hayter. He's on. He's on a long term. <laughs> he got a long term extension, right? A decent yeah. extension. Like that's not just to win stages of Romandy. I would assume they want him to be a classics threat. His physiological profile would suggest that. On paper, but positioning. Yeah, but his positioning exactly is the problem. I don't know. Would you take? Let's let's put in Hater will race some classics. Like he will. Um I'm low. Yeah. Or Kerner. Would you take Quick Steps Classic Squad or this in your squad for twenty-three? Acknowledging you have to factor in that Remco has other objectives and will not do all classics or Roubaix. That's honestly a closer one than I would say, because you've got Alaphilippe, you've got Asgreen, you've got Lampard who's staying on. Mauro Schmidt. Van Tricht, maybe. I'm going for Quickstep because I'll I think they've Ineos. got a better finisher. You're right. Who's the finisher? Osgren can finish and Alaphilippe can finish. <laughs> so I had to think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Ineos comfortably. Um, okay. I'm factoring in Peacock being 
2021 classics level. I'm yeah. factoring in 5% improvement from Sheffield and Turner. Uh, Kwiatkowski might regress 5%. That's fine. I know Van Baal is gone. Narvaez was injured. I rate him. Swift, I think, is a big addition. Like, Arkea, nice team, but I'm sure at Ineos, I, I don't think he's going to get worse. That's for sure. I think Connor Swift will be good. And so I think that you're right that they're lacking a finisher. I would say that they win and get good results with team tactics like yeah, this year. True. Um, it's the only way. But mainly that's also because I'm a bit low on Quickset, but I think the classic squad is, I think it's comfortably top three in the world, classic squad. There's Yumbo and then Quickstep, Ineos, about, you know, its personal opinion and where you rate the classic squad. So that's good. Alperson? Um Sörenkra, Matthew van der Poel. Again, Edmonds. yeah, you're right. Like, you take Matthew van der Poel over <laughs> four, you know, he's worth four of their good riders, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Top four. Ineos is top, top four, four team. There we go. Top four. <laughs> what do you think? There's sort of we we were mainly focusing focusing on cobble classics for San Remo. I would I would give Hater one last shot. Not one last shot. He's like twenty three, isn't he? I, I would <laughs> I would go for Hater and no. have Pidcock go for a do or die descent on Poggio. Oh, as in that sense, I would go for. I would send Pitcock, Quiot, and Hater there, and if, the more that get over the Pajo, the better. I'm not gonna go for the Ganon for Milano <laughs> Sanremo thing. He's the guy that you used to position the others at the foot of the Pajo, yeah. and that worked out in 2021. Yeah. And I'd argue that can work out again. And Pitcock, Quiot, and Hater, I'm comfortably saying that two of those three should get over the Pajo in one of the front groups, hopefully the first one. Quiot's kind of like sometimes in the first one, sometimes in the second one. So that's a close one. Pitcock should easily make it in the front group. Hater is one or the other. Positioning at the Poggio is key, and that's the danger for him. So I think that's the difficult part when it comes to MSR for him. But I think those three should still be the focus for this race, and the more you can get over the Poggio, the better you can play team uh, group dynamics after the Poggio. That's how I see that. Do or die descend of the Poggio? Well, Mohoric might be in his wheel, and it's a, a 1v1, and Pitcock would win the sprint, that's it. Yep, Pitcock's sprint is still really, really good um, when he's in good form. For the Ardennes, I think they'll have no Martinez or Thomas. They're going to be peaking for the Giro, and so I think it will be Tullet. He again, he's another. So many of these riders, it's like some of them will improve. It's impossible to know which, <laughs> but some of them will. They're all talented. Yeah. They're all in their early twenties, motivated on a good team. Like some of them will. It might be Tullet who will improve, and you're all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, yeah. this guy came third in flesh and fifth in Liège or second in Liège. Um, so I think with Peacock doing the tour, most likely. He'll be at the Ardennes, and Sheffield can do the lighter Ardennes. And Fraland? then we're into, I reckon they'll let him go. He barely got leadership or opportunities in like races or stages that he was actually suited to, and they had no other options this year. It's kind of weird what happened with him. Um, but the Giro, again, for the third year in a row, the big Grand Tour, Benji, that they can win and will go in with – Maybe a second favorite, depending on Remco goes. If he doesn't, a first favorite is the Giro 70K's TT. I think I think they've got a good shot. What team mm-hmm. 
what team do you send? I guess Pinarello and the country of Italy have Ghana <laughs> already lined up, right? Yeah, they should, to be honest. Time trials plus domestic equal is what I see in a Filippo Ghana in this Giro because there's so many time trial kilometers, one of which is the mountain time trial. So he won't necessarily be uh, too performing on that one, but the other two he should on paper be able to fight on for certain. And Next to that, the reason that I also don't expect him to be at the Tour de France is because he's also got the track world championships and the Olympics in that period that he will need to focus on for his track side. So I would argue that it's very likely that he's going to the Giro, like 100% likely that he's going to the Giro. Pucho is in that team? Come on, we got we to gotta give a, a claps for the other Italian that must be in this team because he's that guy that... You don't see the entire race is getting bottles for every single rider. And then on the 20th stage, he's part of that mountain train, lining it up on one of the bigger climbs. And then you're like, oh, Pucho's still alive. So that's him. I think he's like that Arashiro type. That is the domestique that you don't see. But the most Pucho important rider? Welter, yeah. he was good on that stage 20. Like He's actually solid. Like Yeah, yeah I think he's fine. Gary and Thomas is leader? No shit. Like, I think that's... Clear as day that this is the ground where he should be leader at. Time trial kilometers are there, and he can gain an advantage on the non-time trial riders that are going for GC in that race. Because on paper, the only man that I see that could also go for GC with time trial abilities is a pretty good rider, Adam Kuevenepoel. If he goes to the Giro, that's the competitor that Gary and Thomas is against. And I'd say Thomas most likely will have a backup GC leader, GC leader next to him. And Thamon Arden's one is most likely the man they'll send to the Giro. And the reason is, you can't send him to the Tour with the parkour that that is. Nah, you're right. So I think he's going to the Giro. Backup GC leader, Thomas crashes out of quite a few GCs, so it's probably not bad to have a backup GC leader. But I don't necessarily... The current level of Thamon Arden's one cannot win the Giro. So he needs to step up to be able to achieve something like that. Right? I, I, I would send him. He can go for a stage like on an Ineos setup. Perhaps he can win a TT stage. I think they got to go all in on the Giro. Now, we just also just wrote an article on lanternrouge.com, published it just before we recorded about how Geraint Thomas, 36 years old, was physically physiologically stronger in the 2022 Tour de France when he came third seven minutes back compared to 2018 Tour de France. He's not gotten worse. In fact, Thomas has gotten better now. You know, contract-wise, I still would give him a low base, high bonus incentive structure, but he's getting he's gotten better. Now, that's also an era thing. Bardet's gotten better. That's just pre-COVID, post-COVID, different eras. But he's still good. Now, is he as good as Remco Pure Watts-wise? Of course not. Um, that being said, the Giro is always lower Watts. It's The Giro is not... The Vuelta is kind of like more... The watts per kilo aficionado's delight. It's like there's always high watts per kilo in the Vuelta. Um, tour is high, and then the Giro is a bit different. Cooler conditions earlier in the year. Um, so I think Thomas is still more than capable of podium the Giro, and depending on who yep. else goes winning. I also think, despite his crashes, Thomas is fucking good in the cold. He's really yep. good in cold conditions. The problem is cold often brings rain, brings handling issues now t on 2000 he cooked woods to, on that that was so cold and then he crashed but he was gonna win that stage easily that was yeah. really cold and i think one of the three mountain heavy stages is going to be cold most likely and this is a long way of saying i would pair him with martinez 
Aaronsman, Rodriguez, and go all in. Maybe even Tullet. I think I think you have to win the Giro. I think you have to send a stacked team to the Giro. I'd have Rodriguez do Giro of Vuelta, maybe even Giro two of Vuelta. Um, no, I'm kidding. Giro of Vuelta. I don't want to. But maybe if he's leaving, make him do all three. Like, <laughs> um, I would send the strongest team possible. But what do you do with Luke Plab this season then? Because you need to consider that he's likely going to focus on the Olympics and track world championships around the tour so he can't go to the tour. Is that that the focus and then the Vuelta potentially afterwards or will the focus completely be on track? Like, it's difficult well, it's to say. It's just Worlds next year, right? It's Olympics in 24. Is it? Oh, my. Oh, yeah, you're right. Damn. I'm um, completing the years together. My bad. I wouldn't send Plab to the Giro. Uh, I think he'd probably do better in hotter conditions, um, like Tour of Welter. Yeah. Why why are you not in on Rodriguez Giro? Because the parkour doesn't fit him, in my opinion. Why not? I think the Welter time trial doesn't necessarily say suddenly, okay, he's one of the top GC time trialists in the world. Doesn't instantly do that for me. You take him over Carapaz or Lander or... Oh, of course, okay. on, on this parkour I would, but not over Gary and Thomas and perhaps not even over Aronsman on this parkour. Yeah, but he's going to cook Aronsman on the climbs. Like, that's the thing. Like, these are big climbing stages. I don't know. I would send him to that um, and Martinez and you go all in. Because, listen, if Remco goes and is in good shape, Geraint Thomas on his own ain't going to do anything to Remco unless Remco crashes or something. I think the Quickstep team is the weak link, especially on those big mountain stages, uh, not some of those soft welter third week stages. And I think you need to have, like in the Basque Country Stage 6, Danny Martinez made Remco's life very difficult. You need, I think, yeah, you need Martinez, Thomas, and go all in. Now, I've just sent the whole team to the Giro. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the tour, Benji, what's the what's the main objective at the tour? My I think it is Tom Pickock GC. That's that's it. Tom Pickock GC Tour de France top five. Okay. Possibly one of their goals. With Gary Thomas and Tamin Islands one with as candidates for the Giro in my eyes, I would see Carlos Rodriguez as the rider you would send to the Tour de France as leader. You can have Pitcock as co-leader. I'm all fine with that. Like, I'm fine with multiple leaderships, trying to get as many people as possible up there in GC. I think we also see the likes of uh, an opportunity in Basque Country for Pitcock to get a potentially low jersey on the early stage. He's going to have big competition for that. Though he's fighting against the likes of Wout van Aert, Van der Poel, Pogacar, all those riders, Alaphilippe, all those riders will try and get yellow in the first few stages, but that's also something Bitcock can focus on. Sivakov and Martinez, you said Martinez to the Giro. I'd rather see him on this parkour in the Tour de France, to be honest. I know he has a decent time trial. I don't like him in the heat. I don't like him in the brutal Giro mountain stages. Martinez? Yeah, because there are descents coming after each climb. Nah, see, he he's fine. He's not like my. I think he's okay in the descents. Like, he's, I, I don't mean he's good. I mean he sort of he <laughs> knows how to manage his issues in the descents. Mm-hmm. And listen, if Remco wants to attack him in the descent, <laughs> go for it. Like, who's going to be attacking in the Giro descents? Um, Morris steps in. I don't know. It's 
you got to like it also depends benji if he if he's gone to Movistar and they know it no way they make pidcock ride for rodriguez that would make no sense in the tour so it also depends on the contract situation as well which yeah. i think we'll know by the rumors will be almost concrete by the tour de france july time um no. i i think pidcock leader i would send um I would send Sheffield, Turner as domestique, maybe Rose gone to the Giro, and I would send, I don't know, I'd just make Peacock GC and, and focus on that, and he's just got to follow. So really, I would also send stage hunters alongside him, like Frailer or Kwiatkowski, and give them freedom because they ain't going to be setting, setting the pace or dictating uh, the race. Welter, who knows? It's a lottery. Probably Rodriguez because yeah. he's Spanish and good, and that's the, <laughs> that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Parkour. Yeah. <laughs> who do you – like, do you see Peacock top five GC? Do you think he's capable of it? Do you think he'll actually go for it? I'm not certain he will go for it, and I think – to be honest, when it comes to the parkour, this Tour de France is not the craziest when it comes to the brutal mountain stages. Cordelos is that big one the early week. The first week is with Tourmalet and so forth. That's a big one. But I would argue that top five might actually genuinely be possible for Pitcock. But then he'd also have to adapt directly after the cobbles and focus on that Tour de France and getting to that to the front's weight, because even with a Pitcock, even with a rider like that who's not at highest weight, there's probably a difference, right, between his classics weight and his Tour de France aim weight. If I was him, I would I wouldn't worry about it too much. I'd just focus on being in, you know, trying to generate as much power as possible, staying, mm-hmm. you know, healthy, avoiding sickness, because yeah, he's so small. Like I mean, of course, yeah, like Vingegaard that he Vingegaard doesn't walk around in november and his july weight but suppose the same goes for peacock guys that small but yeah i would just try and stay try and stay healthy and consistent for the three weeks what about the young guys i mean i mean super young the new signings do you expect anything out of this canadian kid leonard who he apparently has testing values off the charts like vo2 max etc what about tarling would you expect anything out of them or are you more looking they're sort of the second year guys like Sheffield and, and Tullet to actually start winning world tour races? I think we'll see somewhat of both. I think the, the second year riders like the Sheffields and the Turners of the world will rise up is what I expect in this team and do better and actually compete for world tour races and so forth, which they kind of already did. A Turner did, for example, but I will say that I do expect those youngsters to be able to show themselves in some shape or form. Because if we look at 2022, the youngsters that signed for Ineos that year, only Hajduk is really the one that has been able to shine at a, a relatively good level of racing. He's shown a few things throughout the year, but not necessarily the stuff where you're like, oh, that's like Sheffield winning Brabantse or that's like Ben Turner doing great in that race and that race and that race. So they've got a success rate of like, whatever, 66 to 80% or something with their youngsters in 2021. And perhaps Hajduk makes that step up next year. We don't know. But I'd argue that at least one of them will be showing significant skill. And 
the the Leonard guy or Leonard, whatever you pronounce him, that's probably a pretty talented rider. Tarling has shown quite a bit as well. And wasn't Tarling the guy where he's got like either a brother, younger brother or something that I think won so, like man. some time trial and was also like an off the charts time trial. So we might see him in a few years in the same way that Leo Hater has joined Ethan Hater. We haven't talked about Leo Hater, by the way. Oh, yeah, he's in too. Uh, 21 years old. He raced for the team at the uh, trifecta of the Italian non-world tour classics. He obviously won the Baby Giro GC and two stages, U23 British national champs, ITT winner, um, probably on a you know decent Neo Pro contract. I don't know. I actually don't really know what profile of rider he is, to be honest. <laughs> like, is he? Does he have the sprint of his brother, or is he more? I don't know. Nah. Um, Climbing, I believe. More okay. I mean, they have signed a lot of young guys. I think they're all very good. Will any of them be? <sighs> it's tough. I like all of them kind of individually, but then I don't see any of them stepping up to like a. Uh, a Jonas level like do they I mean but who saw Jonas come like either but that's like (laughs) is that the system is that the talent like does Jumbo have a better system is was Jonas just more talented than these guys I don't know like there seems to be a lot of talent here but I think Leonard and co will be like they're on the Settimana copy Bartley circuit that the young guys typically have um that being said what do you expect from Bernal? We've just spoken about all the new recruits there, Tour de France, Giro winner. It's, I mean, it's actually impossible to know, but what do you actually expect? I agree with the aspect of it being impossible to know for us. Like, we've seen him gradually get into a role after his comeback of being routed at paces at the front of the Tour, Denmark, and so forth. So he's not at the point where we saw him climbing for races again. And that's something I want to see at the start of the year first in the smaller races him being able to compete in a Bessage on a hilltop finish, something like that. A spark that says to me, like, okay, he's coming back in some shape or form. We see great pictures in the offseason on his Instagram where he's enjoying life and so forth, so that's great. But that spark on the road I haven't seen yet since his comeback, and I hope that it comes in the preseason races so that we can have an idea of what might come later on. But at this point, I would say that it is unlikely to see him ride for the victory at the Tour de France. I think no, that's of course, no, of fair course to he's say. He's never doing that. <laughs> but pre-injury, he's never doing that. But like, I more mean, like, can he win Catalonia or come third? We don't know. It depends on what I can see in the pre-season. I can't, I can't just give out a hot take and say, Bernal's going to win Catalonia out of nowhere. <laughs> because- mate, if it's... If you if you has rationality and logic, it's not a hot take anymore. That's, that's uh, we don't have definition. logic. I don't know his medical records. <laughs> I don't. Um, I like Bernal. I think out of all the top stars, he has the best personality. He not a sh- afraid to crack jokes, and I think he's really really interesting. And I really really like him. And um, he's not afraid to say his view on things. That being said, I'm very skeptical of his level in 2023 um yeah i was already already post covid he wasn't looking like he won that giro i accept that it was against caruso and who came third some felipe um 
Simon Felipe. You know, he in already post COVID pre injury, he wasn't looking. The Watts because just weren't there, and then he's not a great time trials. He's good, but he's like a good aggressive racer. So I'm skeptical uh, for Bernal next year. Unfortunately, I would love to be proven wrong. Actually, I'd love it. So but I'm <laughs> yeah. skeptical. What about who do you think leaves? Do you think C Rod leaves? You're his. You're his biggest fan. Is he gone? I think Movistar should try and throw as much money as possible at this man to try and get him to leave because Moss is a good rider to get second in the belt and so forth. But I never see Moss winning a Grand Tour. And perhaps that's me being harsh, but I'm going to keep on saying that based on what I've seen so far. There's always riders that are going to be better at the Grand Tour that Moss starts and they all need to crash out for Moss to have that chance. Like Roglic would need to crash out at, at peak level. We had Evenepoel this year that would have had to crash out for Moss to win and so forth. So. I just don't see it. I just don't see Moss doing that. And if they want to try and win a Grand Tour in the future, they need someone else that can try and have that potential. I think Carlos Rodriguez is the man to do so. So I'm going to guess on the fact that Carlos Rodriguez will leave Ineos at the end of 2023, but I don't think they should want him to leave. They should try and resign. Well, of course they don't want him to leave, but <laughs> if you're if you're Ineos, would you match four mil a year? I would match two mil a year. Okay, four? No. Three? It depends on his level in 2023. And that's the thing. Is the sponsor value like... Because if, if Movistar can go to Repsol, who there was a rumor there'd be a sponsor, and they just get that money and get the checks, like, yeah, they go to the new sponsor and be like, can you pay for Carlos Rodriguez, please? I'm not sure Ineos can go to Ratcliffe or whatever and be like, we want to re-sign... This Spanish kid, we really like him. He's really good. Oh, has he won the tour? No. Saudi money. Oh. So right? Movistar Saudi money? Oh, true. I don't think that's that much money. That's like, that's <laughs> not title sponsorship. That's kind of, I don't know. I don't know how much coin that is. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, I think if if Carlos Rodriguez ever gets to Enric Mas level, he should be very happy. Enric Mas, I think, could win the tour next year. But that's for the Movistar. Nah. Uh, nah, pre- preview. Get Henry out Mas of here. is really, really good. He's Bruh. really, really good. Um, <laughs> he is. <laughs> Just has a bad TT and there's no TT case. He could win the tour next year. Anyway, Thomas, I think wins the Giro. I think they find a way. I think the team issues that were a trouble for E for Quick, no, could have been a problem for Quick Step in the Vuelta, but weren't. Um, I think they rear their head in the Giro. I think Thomas wins. He stays on his bike. Um, now, yeah, true. Remco is a lot better up on the climbs. Jesus, I'm just doing the maths <laughs> in my head. <laughs> fuck, how's he going to win? Yeah, Remco, uh, something bad has to happen or a big tactical fuck up for Thomas to win. But listen, Carpena happened. There were a lot of times in 2022 where Remco did fail in Swiss, for example, where Thomas did win. I also think Thomas has got that mental edge where Remco looks up to him uh, as well. Do you think? <laughs> I do look at the photos. A bit of a bromance between them. Maybe Remco will be take. scared to kill him. I've got a hot take, and you won't like this. It better be, actually be hot. And even I don't like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. On paper, I think that Gary and Thomas is likely going to podium the Giro. That's but not I'm going to go with the hot take that Arden's one is going to beat him in GC. I know, listen, I like the guy, but like, I mean, okay. I mean, yeah, I'm setting true. myself up for failure, mate. 
<laughs> I mean, well, I don't know why I'm ragging. It is a hot. That is a hot take. Um, <laughs> uh, but then again, he's over one ninety. Get him the bigum, the bigum factory. That TT could be absolutely launching. Um, the climbing, I'm very skeptical. Um, but long, steady climbs. If there's tactical reasons why it's not done at nuclear pace, okay, I can sort of see it for Arnsman, but. I'm very skeptical. I think Martinez should be preferenced over him. I think Martinez wins Liège, Baston Liège, um, yeah. from a small group sprint. I think that's that's possible because I think the field could be quite light in the Ardennes this year. Um, like there won't be there won't be Remco. Uh, maybe maybe there will be. No, if he's doing the Oh, he's doing the Giro, so there won't be Remco. There'll be Al Philippe who's declining. Any other hot takes you have, Benji? Uh, I also think Pidcock wears yellow in the Basque Country. Um, okay, I got a lot of positive hot takes. I should I'll, you do one more, and I'll think of a negative one. Fivioni doesn't win a single road race, mate. That's that's not that's the default. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I tried. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true, not a single one. And they send him to like a Neo Pro two one schedule, so like that actually might be difficult not to beat Aberastri if he gets five cracks at it um, with a lead out from Hyduk. Yeah. Do you think at what point will there be a public statement from Jim Ratcliffe or a rumor from his camp that he's not happy? Do you think that happens in 23? Like we know sitting here, it is unrealistic to expect we're we're going to finish on this because cycling is about the tour, whether you like it or not. Ineos and Sky were have always been about the Tour de France, and then as they were, they then won other things. But the Tour is a priority. We know they don't have a rider right now that can win the Tour. Although I'm high on Pidcock if he commits yeah. to it. If they don't win the Tour or don't podium it, especially if Thomas does the Giro. Will we hear something out of that camp about mm, Ratcliffe's not happy? There was Probably. a meeting. You reckon? There, there should be a meeting at that point. There should be some whether the rumors come out or not. I would expect there to be conversations within the Inyo scam that they're unhappy about a performance there because it really depends on whether Pitcock can step up and whether Thomas can deliver at the end of his career here. And if the rest can step up a tiny bit, they might be able to deliver something that might evade that situation from happening. Like, for example, if a Ben Turner out of nowhere wins Roubaix, something like that, then there might be a reason that they don't have that conversation. But on paper, Pitcock has to prove it. The salary he has is a level that he needs to prove it. And I think it's dependent on him mostly, right? Well, it depends, right? Like. Maybe they've convinced, maybe they've gone with the approach of, hey, if we can get like pretty good results, and listen, they won 16 World Tour races in 2021, they won 16 in 2022, they won the Giro in 2021, but they podiumed the Giro this year and podiumed the Tour and they won a monument, podiumed another. So maybe let's say the seasons are equal. Maybe they like, as you said, they got to get some good results here and there, show flashes, and then maybe he's happy with the track success. Maybe, maybe he doesn't give a shit what Pidcock does in road races if he wins the Olympic gold in Paris in twenty four and Gano yeah. wins in twenty four. I don't know what's in 
Ratcliffe's head or, or what the team objectives are. Um, but from a road perspective, yeah, you you think like at what point is the conversation, hey, we have the biggest budget in the sport. Why are UAE and Yumbo so much better than us? Um, is That's a the good question. Is, is, a, is a good question is to there, ask. Is there an aspect to it where Yumbo has their dev- own development structure, the U23 dev team, for example, and they invest a lot in the youngsters there and UAE is setting up a, a development team, if I recall. I just heard rumors of that recently that that is occurring in the very near future over this offseason. So if both those teams are building their own youth structures and Ineos doesn't really have that they get riders from all over the place when it comes to their youngsters they're able to get that oh, but... Trinity Trinity was did function as yeah. a de facto development team I'm not sure if that's the case anymore I was surprised to see Globe go to Yumbo I think what happened Quickstep got Remco who, who are the generational talents Quickstep got Remco because he's Belgian and because Lefebvre gave him a bike, and so Remco decided to cost himself millions of euros every year. Matchins got Pagacha. Yumbo got Rog and Jonas. They scouted. They were not superstars. They picked them up. Ineos got Pickcock. So I would say out of the bundle of, say, you know, hype, generational, they got Pickcock. They got the British one. The difference is he doesn't just focus on road cycling. And so... And and the others do. So, but yeah, it's, I don't know, like it's, I, I, I sort of also just think they're doing all the right things. Like they're doing a rebuild. Like should you pay 4 million a year and extend Carapaz in his 30s or should you sign Aronsman and, and Tullard and Leonard? And the question is like, will the billionaire be patient with the rebuild? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but as you said, Benji, I think, you know, flashes are important. I think next year has to be more than flashes. I think next year has to be another step up and has to be a convincing, okay, we didn't win the tour this year. Where are we going to win the tour? Like in the in 24, 25, 26, like will Ratcliffe wait for Michael Leonard to become 24 years old in 2028? <laughs> to win the tour i don't know if he has that patience if i was working at ineos i'd be concerned about that I yeah think. but um is he the rider pitcock where you say he's gonna win the tour de france for this team i'm not saying that i would i would go for that yeah i think i don't believe pitcock is gonna win a tour de france in his career he's really good man like his tt yeah, a lot of i think are really can, good yeah but he's a special rider he's british he won on Alpewares. <laughs> no, no, that's important. Like that's why you have to prioritize him over Rodriguez because, at the end of the day, your benefactor sponsor patron is is British, and yeah. you know he loves all things British. And you look at all the marketing. The Grenadier is a throwback to the old Land Rover. The Bellstaff clothing is sort of old. It's very Britishy, right? So it is important uh, that Peacock is British. And I, I really believe in him, mainly for the same reasons I believed in Remco. When I see a 58-kilo dude putting Wal Van Aert under pressure on the flat, he can climb. Mathematically, yep. he has the power to climb. The TT, I don't think, will be a problem. Can he do the peak watts per kilo? The real peak? I don't know. That is the big question mark. He's got the punch, got the sprint. 
He's got light race days. He's, you know, I, I believe. I'm, I'm, and of course it's faith, but I believe Pidcock. And I don't think you have a choice. I think that's who it is. And for the meantime, Thomas is still really fucking good. And you just try win the Giro with him and then see what happens with uh, in 2023. Why are you skeptical on Pidcock? I think you're more realistic and you think you'll he'll never really give up the CX mountain bike stuff. Also, and I also believe that he's also got the similar Wout van Aert thoughts about the classics still, and he's trying to focus on that still as well, and combining classics with Tour de France, it's going to be very difficult to make that work. And despite the fact that Wout van Aert has a, has a much higher weight level, not in a bad way, but he, he needs to, to be able six to... Four. Yeah, exactly. Pitcock is closer towards being able to do both. He's actually been good in GC in the Tour de France 2022, but it's still a significant margin to the winners in that Grand Tour. And he hasn't shown me what sparked my interest when it comes to Pogacar in the early parts of his career and so forth. So he needs a serious step up in GC on World Tour, Grand Tour level at the moment. And I think he needs to focus completely on a Grand Tour to do that. And at the moment, he's got so many other interests for that to happen. And realistically, preparing just for a Grand Tour properly, the same way Roglic, Fingergaard, Kuz, Pogacar do, it's fucking boring. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. envy them. It's altitude—it's double altitude camp, either side of a preparation race, 12-week prep. Like, it's its not great. And, but yeah, I believe. I believe in Peacock. I really do. And I think um, he holds all of the keys to this team, as I said at the top of the show. But yeah, that's our Ineos uh preview for 2023 it's a little bit less structured more just talking about different points for what we think for next year Bernal's obviously the big wild card I think if he's just back winning any form of races that's a huge plus and morale boost for reference last year I set the over under at 15 and a half world tour wins I went with the under you went with the over, and they won 16. So I set the line exactly right, and Benji wins by one world to win. Ethan Hayter farming Polonia got you over the line. So I know Carapaz Vuelta, Carapaz got all the well. He got you over the line. Yeah. Um, I think they'll do about the same next year, maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. But we won't do the over-unders. That's all from us on the Ineos. Let us know. Like, is do Do you see Tullet stepping up? Do, who do you see stepping up? Do you think uh, they let a Sivakov and Kagan Hart go like they've let Yates and Co. go? Where do you see the team going? Because it's in a rebuild phase, which is curious, you know, for one of the biggest teams. Interesting time in the period of this team's history. But I hope you enjoyed the pod. Thanks to Zwift as always, and we'll see you with some of the French teams are in the week. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 